Blog Talk Radio. This means that Donald Trump will be the 45th president of the United States. Live from the Talk Radio 49 studios in North Little Rock, Arkansas, it's Money Mike Carnahan, Tropic Thunder Tolly Brim, and Sean Castleberry. It's the American <laughs> Idiot Show, and it begins right now. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Money Mike Carnahan, joined by Mr. Sean Castleberry and Tropic Thunder Tolly Broom. Guys, we got an amazing show in order here tonight. Mr. Dan Winfield, the independent candidate for Senate, going to be on here in just a moment. As you can see right here on our Facebook Live and our YouTube Live, he's already joining us. But uh, real quick, how was your guys' week? Go ahead, Tally. Me? My week's been yeah, go my week's been good. My weekend was really nice. I didn't do anything. I cooked a lot, and it was delicious. I didn't get to eat some of the Want to go ahead and say what's up to Harrison here in the comments section? Sean, how was your weekend or week? I guess I saw you last night. You know, you know the same thing uh, as Tally. You know, I actually had a weekend off this weekend. Did a lot of barbecuing. Had a lot of fun. Actually, uh, took the kids out to play tennis today. So we actually spent a few hours on the tennis court. It was awesome. It was amazing. So yeah, I'm trying to turn them into little Andre Agassi's. Awesome, awesome. Well, I definitely don't want to keep anybody waiting any longer. We've been promising it for quite some time. The independent candidate for the Senate here from the state of Arkansas, Mr. Dan Whitfield. How are you doing here tonight? Hey, I'm well. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me over tonight. I appreciate it. Hey, man, I'm so excited to have you. Like I said, this has been weeks in the making. You can ask Sean. I've been bothering him for weeks and weeks about uh, looking you up and, you know, getting information about you because, uh, you know, I'm so happy that we do have an option. You know, it was looking kind of bleak there for a while as far as uh, Mr. Cotton goes. Uh, It looks like, you know, there's some there's some things that still need to be worked out, but it was definitely looking bleak there for a little bit. Yeah, it really was. But hey, everything well, is going to be better because I'm going to be on the ballot. <laughs> hey, there we go. There we go. Speaking into existence. I love it. I love it. Well, Mr. Whitfield, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, start out because I want you to start out telling us your experience so far. In attempting this run against not only Tom Cox, but against really the Arkansas political establishment you've run up against. Oh, it is it has been quite the emotional roller coaster, that's for sure. There is a lot of corruption going on in Arkansas that a lot of people just are not even aware of. So this goes way back. Let's go back a year from now, okay? So last summer, the 
the Arkansas state legislators, the GOP, actually were able to amend the Constitution so that third-party candidates needed 26,000 signatures instead of 10,000 signatures to get ballot access. When they wow. did this, they already had the dirt on the Democrat and knew they were going to be able to blackmail the Democrat out. So they knew they had the Democrat out. They were trying to stop third parties, and that's what we're dealing with right now. So we were able to, fortunately, uh, the Libertarian Party of Arkansas did sue the Secretary of State, John Thurston, and have the signature uh, reduction from 26000 all the way back down to ten which was good. Um, at that point, the Libertarian Party was able to pay uh, canvassing company $55,000, and then they got ballot access. Now, as a Libertarian, at, well, for the Libertarian Party, the big difference uh, between them and an independent was that they got to choose their 90-day window to collect signatures. So they chose last summer, so they got their signatures last summer during the busiest months of the year. Now, as an independent, I have a fixed collection period, and my fixed collection period was from February 1st until May 1st. COVID-19, unfortunately, happened during that time. Right. Um, the, from orders of the state, the governor, Asa Hutchinson, actually issued a state of emergency banning large gatherings and implementing social distancing policies on March 13th, which was about 40% of the time into our collection period. So realistically, we lost about 60% of the time. We were only able to get 6,514 signatures in that 40% of the time, so we were on track to get all of our signatures, but unfortunately, due to COVID-19, we were unable to do so. And that's kind of how our story starts. Um, I'll try not to get, like, too technical into it, uh, but I'll try to also keep it fairly brief for you and just go right through this part here. Um, so we did not get our signatures. First thing I did was I drafted a letter and I contacted every other independent candidate in Arkansas. And the only two people I couldn't get a hold of, one was Christine, um, so-and-so, all of her information on the Secretary of State's website is wrong. You can't get a hold of her. And then the other gentleman, I got his voicemail and he never called me back. But the other five independents, I spoke with all of them and they all signed my letter and we sent it to the governor asking for either an extension a signature reduction right. or to allow digital signatures because of COVID-19 affecting our signature collection. Now, right. the governor, I later found um, the governor actually got our letter and in an interview uh, much later, he said he got the letter, but he just handed it off to his legal team and then never you know, looked at it. So that didn't oh. help. So we waited a little while and then we sent that same letter to the secretary of state, John Thurston, asking for his help. Uh, they didn't okay. respond either. After a few weeks, I reached back out, and then his staff told me that we do not have the authority to do anything like that. So the head of our elections doesn't have the authority to do it, he said. So we took right. the next step, and we, we sued them. We started the legal process right. to make sure we could get ballot access. Uh, we sued the Secretary of State, John Thurston, for ballot access, and his defense counsel is the Attorney General, Leslie Rutledge. Right. All right, let's stop there. First fun fact. Asa Hutchinson, the governor, the Secretary of State John Thurston, and the Attorney General Leslie Rutledge have all taken money from Tom Cotton from personal contributions, his campaign contributions, and he even started Rangers Lead the Way Pack, his own private pack, and gave them money through there as well. So that was that's where the corruption kind of begins and what we've been having to deal with this entire time. 
So we sued John Thurston, and our hearing was on May 27th, and the Honorable Judge Baker from the district courts was our judge and oversaw the case. Uh, mm-hmm. Our case, I think our hearing lasted about nine hours. The attorney general cross-examined me for two hours. And in those two hours, he made himself look really bad. He made my case look really good. And they got to the point where they're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to move on to the next witness. They just – the problem was was everything that I was saying was true. And they were trying to catch me in a lie, but we weren't lying. And actually, if right. you go to replacetomcotton.com – Click on the ballot access tab. You can see the entire court hearing transcript on there as well. Read through it. It's really entertaining stuff. Uh, I actually, I guess, I had some supporters who were there in the uh, courtroom. I was there. I was on a video conference remotely. Um, but apparently, I got the judge and everyone in the courtroom to laugh twice. So that was pretty cool. Um, he asked me where in the That's Constitution awesome. it says that the Secretary of State has to give me relief for ballot access. So I returned the question. Where in the Constitution does it say that I need signatures to represent my constituency? He couldn't answer. It's unconstitutional. (laughs) So we had our hearing, and then it took four weeks after our hearing for Judge Baker to give us a 61-page ruling in which she ruled that we do not have standing for preliminary injunctive relief, but we do have standing for declaratory relief. Now, the reason that she did this, uh, at first, of course, it's a very emotional thing. We're trying to figure out what's going on. Why would it take her four weeks to tell us no? And why would she spend four weeks writing a 61-page document to tell us no when she could have just told us no at any point? Because the attorney general had actually uh, filed, I think it was five motions for her to drop the case, and she wouldn't drop it. She just kept going. So we start looking at everything, and basically – What it came down to was if she had ruled in our favor and gave us the preliminary injunctive motion, the relief, then the attorney general would have appealed it and locked it up into the Eighth Circuit courts until after the election. She stated many cases on her ruling where candidates had won their case against John Thurston, and they locked it up in the legal process and were not able to get on the ballot. Oh, So it was very, very thoughtful what she had done. Uh, She's a very, very intelligent woman. I think she graduated like summa cum laude from the University of Arkansas. I mean, very smart woman. Mm -hmm. Now, what that means for us is we were actually able to appeal the ruling stating we do have declaratory standing, and now we are in the Eighth Circuit uh, Courts of Appeals and trying to get through the process. So we have a good case we're going to win the case. It's just when is that going to happen? <laughs> Hopefully sooner right. rather than later. Now, so I want to follow up real quick. Real quick, Sean, I apologize before I go into that. Uh, you mentioned your Sorry. ballot access on your uh, replacetomcock.com. And myself and Sean were looking at that. And the first thing that you see is obviously the denial. And it says the order to deny or expedite did not come from a judge. It did not come from a clerk. It came from an unnamed associate of an unnamed person a week after U.S. Attorney General William Barr had a closed-door meeting with Arkansas Attorney General Leslie Rutledge and my opponent, Tom Cotton. Can you talk us through that for a second? Absolutely. So that's kind of where we were at with our case is we had filed an expedite for our appeal. That way we could get the case, the hearing done before ballots get printed at the end of August. Now, it's funny because I know they're going to try to rush the ballot printing because we have record numbers of absentee uh, ballots because of COVID-19. COVID-19 is affecting everything but my ability to collect signatures and go person to person. (laughs) (laughs) So 
what had happened was we filed our expedite, and already it's really odd because we filed our case nearly a month ago, and we still do not have our panel of judges assigned, which it should have been assigned within usually a week. So that's very odd in the first place. Now, we filed our motion for expedite, and our expedite was denied, and I called the clerk's office because it doesn't say why it was denied. You can see the document there. And right. I asked her, I'm like, you know, who gave these orders? Who ordered y'all to deny our expedite? And she said, well, all I can say is that it was an unnamed person from an unnamed or an unnamed associate from an unnamed person. And this just happened to happen a week after the United States Attorney General, William Barr, came here to Arkansas and met with our Attorney General, who is my defense, uh, my the defendant's oh, defense counsel Correct. and my opponent, Tom Cotton. It's just really odd. There have to be some kind of ethical violations going on, but that's where we're at right now. So what we are doing next is we are filing a renewed expedite because when they filed their opposition to our expedite, they keep making mistakes over at the attorney general's office. Uh, they, mm. they worded something wrong, used wrong numbers, and it was inaccurate. It was incorrect. So we are going right, to right. renew our expedite, and we are expecting our expedite to pass this time. And if they fail it again – and we are going to do what it takes to find out who put that order through to fail it. And we need to find out if they've been taking money from Tom Cotton, like everybody else who's been going against us. But awesome. that's where we're at. I'm very confident we're going to win our case. It's just hopefully it's sooner rather than later. If we do not get our before expedite the through, then our hearing – well, before that even. Like right now, even if we don't get it expedited, our oral arguments will be September 21st to September 25th. Okay. which is going okay. to be about a month after they print the ballots. So the absentee ballots will not have my name. Now, what we can do, of course, is we can request that they reprint the ballots because it only takes them a few days to do it, and they will reprint the okay. ballots. But where the big issue comes is that the person in charge of reprinting the ballots and redistributing them is the Secretary of State, John Thurston. Oh, <laughs> so we are expecting intentional internal <laughs> errors. They're trying everything they can. So what we're all well, yeah, trying to I mean, do with our new expedite is we're trying to prevent them from printing the ballots until after our hearing. Right. I mean, this right. is Arkansas. This is a very corrupt state. Um, it is a red state, and the governor is obviously a Republican. The, uh, the attorney general is a Republican. Everybody that is involved in this, they, I mean, they're, they're all patting each other on the back and, you know, helping each other out and <laughs> – you know, you're coming along to run against Tom Cotton, and, yeah, they're going to do – they're going to pull every dirty trick that they can, you know, uh, minus – what is it? Absolutely blatantly breaking the law. They're going to do everything <laughs> they can without – yeah, just every dirty we trick that they can do. That. Because, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, at least that's, in our, that's how I see it. See. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah, they're going to just – you know, it's it's like watching those old Scooby Doo cartoons back in the day when they had the Laugh Olympics <laughs> and you had the bad guys and the good guys and the bad guys do everything they can without getting caught. And sometimes they win. That's kind of how I see this right now. Is that that's what the Republicans are doing because they suck ass. Yeah, they're terrified. <laughs> they know I'm going to beat Tom Cotton. They are terrified. I heard. Right now. I agree. There's a lot of unrest with Tom Cotton at this time. So um, I do believe that you're a great voice for a lot of us displaced voters here in Arkansas who don't 
want Tom Cotton and desperately need an option that can represent our views. Um, really thankful right. we don't, we don't, you're doing this. Yeah. Tally and I definitely don't have a voice in Arkansas. We'll say that. That's the mm-hmm. truth. I'm a woman, and I'm not. I'm not white enough, so it's it's kind of hard. <laughs> it's sad, and I'm a progressive well, atheist, so you know they that. hate me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sad, but unfortunately true. Um, you know, and Cotton's definitely not doing anything to help his uh, notion. But Sean, we'll get to that question here in a minute. I want to let Sean go ahead and get right, right. In here. Okay, so if elected. Could you please tell us what your plans are to make veterans' benefits better here in the state of Arkansas? Because Michael and Absolutely. I are both veterans. We're very interested in that. So one of the first things we need to do, we have to do as a nation, is we need to audit the military budget. And we need to have an independent source go through and yeah. do it so we can see where yeah. the waste is going and trim that fat and then take that fat and put that back into our society, put that into veterans' benefits, put that into education, into healthcare, into infrastructure, into things that we really need here at home rather than sending it into – I mean, basically, one of the biggest problems with our military isn't the fact that they're there to defend us. It's the fact that we have defense contractors, these companies owned by ex-legislators and ex-generals right. that are using their companies to funnel tax dollars from our accounts into their pockets. We, we have to end American imperialism, and we have to stop invading poor nations to steal their natural resources. Once we trim that right. back, that's how we're going to start taking care of our veterans. Because if we cannot afford to take care of our veterans, then we can't afford to even send them in the first place. Oh, I agree. Let me apply to you right there. <laughs> Thank you. This yes. is a young Thank man you. that has listened to Eisenhower. He knows about the military industrial complex. That that just that's amazing. I love that. Absolutely. Okay. Go 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 As ahead. A veteran, literally goosebumps, Dan. Literally goosebumps, Dan. I appreciate that. Uh Tolly, I think I sent you the uh questions, Tolly. Were you able to get them or feel free to ask yes. whatever you would like? Yeah, um, you know, so I want to know, are you pro-life or are you pro-choice? And why? Um, what makes up, you know, that stance that you have on this particular policy? So my stance is on being either pro-life or pro-choice or pro-gun or anti-gun are the two policies that really hurt me the most <laughs> because it really <laughs> it divides my voter base. I... I do believe in the, I understand the pro-life movement and I think that we have to treat lives, you know, well, we have to make sure we're taking care of children. We're taking care of the people. We are taking care of the most vulnerable of those among amongst us, but I am pro-choice. We also have to understand that a majority of the abortions that are happening aren't from unwanted pregnancies. A lot of them are from medical issues. Uh, yes. My wife, our last pregnancy, we lost one of our twins, and then we were diagnosed, the second twin was diagnosed with trisomy 18 at about 22 weeks. And at that point, that's when the doctor told us we needed to abort for medical reasons. And we got a second opinion, we got a third opinion, and all of the doctors that we spoke to said, 
it's not healthy for you to carry this child. There are risks involved. You need to terminate it. We decided that we did not want to terminate the child, that we wanted to give it every chance we could uh, up until the point where just before um, she was to be born, um, the doctors told us that she wasn't strong enough to make it through a vaginal birth. So my wife chose to go through a C-section and we gave her every opportunity we possibly could. And she lived with us for about five hours until she died in my arms. And that kind of pain is not pain that I would even wish upon Tom Cotton, that I wouldn't wish upon any person. But the one thing that's really important with this story is that we had a choice. We chose not to abort, but that was our choice to make. And we should never take that choice away from someone and force them to go through that kind of, that kind of thing. It's just not all right. What we need to do is we need to focus on the problem and not the symptom. Abortion is a symptom. It is a symptom that has caused the debate for 50-plus years. What we need to do is focus on unwanted pregnancies. We need to have real sex education in our schools, actual sex education, not where you just have to – I mean, here in Arkansas, you literally you get a permission slip, you take it home, and your parents sign it, and then you can do your sex ed, or they don't sign it, and you don't. If they do sign it, your sex ed is basically an abstinence is best talk. They don't teach you about your body. They don't teach you about sex. They don't teach you about anything that's important that really involves sex. And the problem is, is abstinence may work best, but kids aren't not going to have sex. If they want to have sex, they're going to do it anyways. Right. And that's why at the right. on top of proper sex education, we have to provide contraception to every single American under 21 years old, not even just American, but any person living here under 21 years yes. old, because that's when a lot of people have the accidental pregnancies that they don't really, they're, they're not ready for. And then on right. top of that, uh, sorry, a little bit deeper is we need to make sure for women that we have the proper birth control pills accessible because yes, I understand mm. that you have generic birth control and you have the good stuff and the good stuff is going to clean up your pores and make your face and your skin look right. real good. And the cheap generic stuff is going to make you break out and not be happy with yourself. So a lot of women don't like taking that. We have to give them the good stuff that makes them want to take it if they don't want to have a baby. But that's where I see right, right. That. No, that's Absolutely. amazing. I, I, you know, I'm so. I, I want to say that I'm very sorry that you went through that, yeah. and and that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you you, you face that bravely, and I respect that. I respect that choice Absolutely. that you made. But it, you you made a very important point where you said it was your choice to do that, and that's what's mm-hmm. important. Everyone needs to have the choice to do what they make because, like you said. It, Usually it is a medical situation where people have to make this decision. You know, uh, just recently my wife and I, uh, you know, she had a, a, a medical issue that was going on and she had to go and take a pregnancy test to try to figure out what's going on. And turns out she's not, but if she had been, we probably would have opted for, you know, not, not going through with that because, at this point in our lives, we're too old. We can't afford such a thing. We would take away from our other children. You have to have choices to look at those things. You know, um, everyone's situation is different. We didn't have to do that, so I'm grateful for that. But a lot of people do make that decision, you know, for that reason, and they shouldn't be judged for that. 
No one should be judged for the decisions that they make when it, when it comes to that issue. Absolutely. 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 Mr. Whitfield, I'm going to hit you with another toughie here, especially with what's been going on recently <laughs> here in the state of Arkansas. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Black Lives Matter movement, and how would you help heal the racial divide here in the state of Arkansas? The Black Lives Matter movement is extremely important. It is, and it's honestly just the tip of the iceberg of what we really need to start addressing because it really goes back to a systemic problem that has been sown into our society all the way since, you know, Are you okay? start, now we can get into the 1619 project. What's wrong, baby? Where, oh, some, I'll get you some milk. But then we start, you know, we get into the 1619 project and how we really need to be teaching the real accurate truth, not just whitewashed history that makes us sound good and proud and happy and all this good stuff. Because when you start whitewashing the past, that's when people are going to be prone to make the same mistakes that we made back then again. We have to teach what really happened. I agree. I I had a a rough time with my daughter last year. Not a rough time. It was just, it was a really eye-opening time uh, during Columbus Mm -hmm. Day when she came home and started telling me how great Columbus was and how he discovered America and fed the Indians and (laughs) all this stuff and I made a choice I sat down and I told her who Christopher Columbus was I told her about the genocide that they brought um, about how they stole this nation from Native Americans and how he had never actually even been in the United States of America (laughs) right I, I, I made that choice. But the thing is, is I shouldn't have to make that choice to tell my daughter the truth, whether or not Santa's real or whether or not the Easter Bunny's real. History is not Santa. It's not the Easter Bunny. We can't sugarcoat it. We have to teach these kids the truth. Again, that way they don't make the same mistakes. With yeah. the BLM um, movement, I really that, love that's exactly your what it is. On this. I really love this because I grew up in Hawaii. I am from, I'm from American Samoa. I'm Hawaiian. And when I moved to the mainland United States, I, I, I was a Hawaiian girl in class. My teachers wanted me to read the little blurb that they would give Hawaii in the history book. And I would correct them. And I was always a well-behaved encyclopedia. So when I, when I would correct these history books in the mainland, they would get really mad. They expected me to be very indoctrinated and just take it at face value, but this this is my history. So I really I really respect um your stance on that side of education where where you support the sixteen nineteen project and you think that we should be t- teaching the harsh real truth of what we've done as a nation. Because I think as someone whose people have suffered, that that's the only way we're really going to heal and move forward from the divide that we do experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. Sean? But, it, you know, and, and when it comes to, like, the movement and what we really need to do, I think some of the key things to fixing some of the systemic racism that we have 
seen throughout our entire lives and for a long time is we need to make sure that we're focusing on fixing our educational and our healthcare systems because a lot of the problems come from underfunded schools in predominantly minority neighborhoods. And that's why my education stance, I think it's very, very important. We have a really unique problem here in Arkansas. Some parts of Arkansas have the best paid teachers in the country and the best quality schools, while other parts of Arkansas are the polar opposite and have the lowest paid salaries with the worst ranked schools. And we have to figure out how to even that out. Well, and Dan, I'm a a Springdale graduate, and I'm pretty sure the ones you were talking about, the highest paid, were up in that – corridor of the state of Arkansas because there's a lot of money yeah. out there. But, um, you know, it, it's very interesting that you mentioned that. Obviously, I got a pretty good education, but, you know, I, I remember being a Bush guy back in 04 whenever No Child Left Behind was uh, enacted. And I remember, you know, looking at that, and I literally thought it meant, oh, we're going to even the playing field. There's going to be No Child Left Behind. And unfortunately, it's kind of fallen short of its promise in my opinion. I I think what we're going to need to do is we need to figure out how to redistribute the funding to our schools. And right now our schools are funded by community taxes, by property taxes and things like that. What we need to do is we need to go as an entire state, pool all of this funding together and then distribute it evenly depending on how many staff and how many students are at each school. And then it doesn't matter where you live. You're still able to get quality education and have yes. a chance to succeed in our society. Wow. And that's really important. And once we start you know fixing a lot of those problems, I mean, it's, that's going to change our world. The last thing we need to do is cut funding to any schools, period. Don't uh-huh. threaten to cut school funding. That's just ludicrous. Right. That's right. Yeah, right. that's exactly what I was going to lead into. Um, some of the things that you were saying, um, I'm the progressive of the group, so I'm, I'm more left than anybody else. Um, one of the things I really wanted to know is what are your thoughts of taxing the 1%, getting the money that is owed the American people from those people who use the loopholes that they can to not pay any taxes at all. Uh, the Walmarts, you know, the corporations that are out there that don't pay taxes, that take actual subsidies from our country for paying low wages so that people can have welfare and all that crap. You know, what, what are your thoughts about that as well? Man, such great questions. I love it. I love to answer these questions. I can do this all day long. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> You might not like my answer 100% because, honestly, the richest okay. 1%, I think they should be paying the same amount of taxes as you and me, 20 to 30%. Right now, they're not paying okay. taxes because they're using these legal loopholes right. that they were able to get passed in legislation through legislators that they bribed. They get legislators into office, right. and then they ask for legislation like the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that saves them trillions of dollars that they don't have to pay in taxes that instead of coming back into our society goes to offshore banks and overseas tax havens where they just build interest in a foreign bank. And it doesn't help our society. When it comes to my tax plan and what I think the way we should be taxed is, is number one, we shouldn't have payroll taxes, period. We should not be taxing people to want to work and we should not be taxing employers for wanting to hire. What we need to tax is we need to tax profits. If we start taxing profits, then people who are – it's basically its own progressive scale. 
So the way I foresee the way we tax is we will classify business in a few different ways. We will have small businesses. We will have medium-sized businesses, large businesses, and giant businesses. Um, and these are all just general mm-hmm. terms to, you know, classify sizes. Yes, yes. Right. So a small business would profit between $0 and $1 million per year. That would be classified as a small business, and they would pay a flat 10% tax per year, which would really reduce the tax burden that these mom-and-pop stores are facing when mom-and-pop stores are still paying like 37% in taxes before their overhead because they aren't able to use these legal tax loopholes that giant corporations are using. So that would be right, zero right. to one million. A medium size would be from one million to one hundred million dollars profit per year. This would be a medium sized business, and they would be a flat tax at fifteen percent. Now, when I say a flat tax, I mean no loopholes, no tax evasion strategy at all. It would be fifteen percent tax of your profit. Now, a large business would be between one hundred million dollars and one billion dollars. They would have a flat tax of 20%, and a giant business, like a corporation, would be more than $1 billion per year, a flat tax of 25%, which is technically 12% less than the 37% they're paying now. But if we did this, we would have more tax revenue because the biggest corporations that aren't paying taxes at all would make up for the lower tax income, the lower tax revenue from the smaller businesses. Now, at the same time, this would really help us with corruption because then we can classify that only small and medium-sized businesses qualify for government subsidies. That way, we don't have corporations that are making billions of dollars a year taking hundreds of millions of dollars of our taxes in subsidies like what we have seen with Amazon where they pay zero dollars and took $400 million. Things like that, I think, would really help and increase our revenue. Well, and, and I mean, you hit the- And what you had hit on with the corporations, like where we pay their welfare, that's like Walmart. They pay around 1.5% in taxes, and which was – I mean, I think a few years ago they paid roughly like $14 billion in taxes. But that same year, they paid such low slave wages that their employees qualified for $6.5 billion worth of welfare. And so, I mean, it's – we have to enforce taxation and illegal tax loopholes, and by doing that, we can lower taxes on the working class and the people that is burdening the most. Well, and Dan, so you're the way you right. made the, the way you rolled that out, I mean, you even said, you know, that's still a. I think you said about a twelve million dollar or a twelve percent. I'm not sure which one it was. A twelve percent cut on what they're already required to pay. You're still giving them a tax cut. So, I mean, I don't understand why there would be any fight against this, minus the fact that obviously well, they want their loopholes. They'd go from yeah, 0% the, to 25 real fast and not be happy. <laughs> but right, that's what right. they don't need. Yeah, they don't want to pay any taxes. That's the problem. And they should pay taxes. Ronald Reagan helped enact all this BS because he took the tax rate from, what was it, like 60%? all the way down to like 18%. I mean, that's what built the infrastructure of this country was that the wealthy Mm -hmm. had to pay their fair share and build this country and make sure that everyone was taken care of. You know, no one should have that much more than everyone else. You know, it's just not fair, you know, and people talk about, well, they earned it and all this and that. No, a lot of these people did not earn what they had. You look at Donald Trump and different people like that. They were given it. 
they inherited a small loan of a million yes. dollars. And then they used tax yes. evasion and fraud to build it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and that's exactly what's happened in this country. And now we're, 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 we're moving towards where the founding fathers, I guess you could say, escaped that type of system over in England, right? Because landowners were oppressing everyone else, so people came over here to have a fresh start. Well, now we're starting to have the same thing happen here. Well, we need to go ahead and nip that in the butt as quickly as we can. You know, if we don't, we're going to be in the same boat as, as England was. And then where are we going to go? There is no place to go. Absolutely. Tolly? I believe we're on to you. So um, how do you feel about establishing a universal health care? And a sub-question from that, when you're looking at um, things like Medicare, Medicaid, and Veterans Health, how do your views on universal health care play into those different aspects when we're talking about, you know, universal health care? So... I do support Medicare for all 100%. I will, you know, I, of course, I will protect the Affordable Care Act and help to protect and expand it until we can get Medicare for all passed. But still, the Affordable Care Act was, I mean, honestly, a giant handout to pharmaceutical companies in the health industry. But what it did do is it allowed people with pre-existing conditions to get the help that they needed to save their lives. So it was a double-edged sword, and it was way better than what we had had before. What we need to look at is for more than 100 years, we have had private health care. More than 100 years, we've tried different kinds of private health care systems. But one thing we know for sure right now is the number one cause of bankruptcy in America is medical debt. Period. Medical bills. And 70% yes. of those people that file bankruptcy for medical debt have medical insurance. They're going to work. They're paying their premiums. They're doing everything right. They get sick and then they lose everything. And that is not okay. America is the only nation in the entire world where someone can get sick and lose everything. We have to fix that. Yes. I know that's something that I have. uh, Yeah. I've said that over and over again on many of our shows is that every single one of us that have been on this show are one medical bill away from bankruptcy. And you just hit yep. that point. You hit that point 100%. And Medicare for All is really the cure-all. It's, it's going to help. Number one, Medicare for All, it is, it is not free. We are going to pay for it. Of course, nothing is free. Yes. Number two, Correct. it is not Medicare. <laughs> I get that all the time. Well, Medicare is so terrible, and we have all these supplements, and you just want to do this for everybody. It is not Medicare. They shouldn't have named it Medicare for All. It should be called Healthcare for All or something like that. Right. Point being, right. the average household in Arkansas, our average income is $40,000 a year. Now, what right. that means is that means – and I know I, I see in your face it's really crazy. I wish it was higher. And we can get to that later because I have a vision for how we can do that. Um, now, the average Arkansan household income is $40,000 a year. With Medicare for All, that means the average Arkansan house will pay $440 per year to cover their entire household, $440 a year. Now, there will be costs for prescription drugs. The prescription drug cost will be $200 cap per year. So that means if you fill your first prescription in January and it's more than $200, you pay your $200 copay on it, and your prescriptions for the rest of the year are at no cost to you. 
this is just the way it is. Now, the way that we can get that amount, because I know average is just a a term, if you want to look at how expensive it would cost, say, for your family, let's say for um, a middle-class family or uh, an upper-middle-class family. All right. Say your household income is $100,000 per year. Now, you'll subtract $29,000 and then multiply it by .04, which is 4%. That means if your household income is $100,000 a year, your yearly medical payment to cover your entire house, no more premiums, deductibles, co-pays, any of that, $2,840 a year. Now, if you break that down and divide that by 12, that's $237 a month. Right. That's not right. You know, you you hit something very important right there too. And I've been trying to teach these guys this for years on American Idiots podcast is that most people think they're middle class here in Arkansas. And they're not. They're in poverty and they don't get that. The middle class in this country starts at eighty thousand a year. That's middle class. That's lower. Yeah. That's lower. Okay? So Ooh, wow. most of these people are making forty, fifty thousand a year. They don't even realize that they're living in poverty. They have no clue at all. And you just hit that. I, I, man, I'm so thankful that you did My that. Goodness. That's amazing. Thank you. And we can even get more into that. I got. So I'm, I'm full of fun facts and statistics. <laughs> um, I love it. I love it. Back to Medicare for all. So if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year household income, that's two hundred and thirty-seven dollars a month. My wife and I, we work oh, at and We have decent jobs. Um, you know, we work for a Fortune 300 company. Our medical insurance, we pay $840 a month and have a $1,500 deductible. Ooh, I too. Let's see here. I pay uh, we'll $600 a month. Well, 600 a month. Wow. So we pay about, you know, that's $11,500 to our yeah. medical insurance provider. Before they help us out, a year, a year—that's a huge yep. percentage of our income. That's you know, 10, yeah. 15, 20 percent of some people's income is just going to their medical. That's before you take into their mortgage and their rent, which is fifteen, twenty, thirty yep. percent, and then you have utilities and car and gas and food and clothes. It's not sustainable. We have to make exactly. sure that when we are holding people's lives in our hands, we are not putting profits over these lives, which we see really heavily, especially oh. with our diabetic community, with our insulin costs. Insulin is ridiculously expensive, and it costs almost nothing yes. to make, but a small majority, a small, I think three companies own the patent and just monopolize the entire, the entire industry. We have to yes. little things like this. Sean, remind me to never oh, wow. complain about the again. Good Lord. <laughs> I've been, to- I'm so I've been telling you about this right for now. years. No, seriously, I've been telling you about this for years, and you haven't been listening to me, and I'm glad someone else came on this show and actually pointed that out to you. I am not insane. I, I, I fucking know this shit, okay? I work, okay, in Little Rock. I work in North Little Rock. I see the single mothers that have two and three kids that are working two and three jobs every single day, and they have nothing. They have to struggle for every single dime that they have. Medicaid for All would help them so much. 
And that's what people don't think. They're like, well, I don't want to pay for somebody else's health care. Why not? I mean, we need to be like Sweden and Denmark and, and Norway and all these other countries. We need to start looking at everybody and actually taking care of each other. We, we have to do this or else we're not going to survive as a species. Well, My that's just our side. That's the citizen side of it. What a lot of people don't realize is, say, uh, I'm paying, say, I think it's 840 or 860. I don't remember. My wife is the accountant and pays everything. Um, but whatever we're paying, our company is matching 100%. So right. realistically, the insurance company is making like sixteen hundred plus a month, and my yes. employer's paying out a whole bunch. Why do why do employers cheap out on benefits for employees? Because it's expensive. Why are employers like Walmart making you work like say nineteen hours so that you're not part time, so you don't qualify for benefits, and making you sign right. a variable hour? Uh, you know, sheets saying that you're a variable hour employee, you don't qualify for benefits because they can't afford to pay those crazy amounts. Now, when you have, they will match and they will have to pay that 4% as well. But when you tell an employer that they're going to be paying their employee $440 a year for their medical benefits and that's an edge they have on hiring, yeah, they're going to be, yeah, they're going to be more than happy to do it. It's going to save big corporations hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. It's going to save mom and pop stores millions of dollars and they're going to want to hire with good benefits. So, I mean, it goes all the way around a full circle effect to help our society out. Well, one thing I wanted to definitely make sure to uh, hit on because I had quite a few people ask me this question uh, is what are your thoughts on how to improve the rights on the LGBTQ plus community here, at least in the state of Arkansas? So, it is really important that we protect the LGBTQ plus rights. We have to make sure the protections are in place um, as far as employment, as far as um, educational, you know, all these different things that affect people in their everyday lives. We just, the problem with hatred is it's not inherent. It's learned. The thing about racism, yes. it's not inherent. It's learned. We have so many hateful yes. racist people in our society that basically spread this like a disease amongst their children, and then their children spread the disease, and it spreads like a disease. What are we going to do? Man, I don't have that's such – I don't have the, the perfect answer for that question. All I know is we have to make sure that we are not discriminating against anyone for how they identify or how they decide to have their sexual orientation. We need to make sure that same-sex marriages are okay. Most of the time people get married nowadays isn't even for religious reasons. It's because the tax benefits. And they should not be denied that that taxation without representation. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't be denying these people those same benefits that a, a, a hetero couple may gain. And then we also need to make sure we're protecting rights of same-sex marriages or same-sex parents that want to adopt because I was a cable guy for like five years. I've been in thousands of people's homes. I've met so many people. It is, it's insane. I've worked in the oil field for two years where I've been on a thousand oil rigs meeting all these different people. I've lived in California, Nevada, Wyoming, Louisiana, Arkansas. I've been all over the place and have met all sorts of different kinds of people. You know what? I have seen some same-sex parents that are way better parents than many hetero couples that I have seen. 
it has nothing to do with the sexual orientation on whether or not you're a good parent. And we need to make sure yes. that – oh, don't come over this way because I don't have a background, baby girl. Go put yeah. clothes on, okay? <laughs> Sorry, it's summer. <laughs> but we have to make sure that everybody has protections. Yes. That's the best answer I can give so, you for that. <laughs> so you're absolutely right about that. Everyone, everyone in this country deserves to have – decency, respect, and love, the same rights that everyone else has, the same safe spaces that everyone else has, right? We all deserve, you know, these inalienable rights that the Constitution talks about, and not for, you know, just white people. It needs to be for Mm -hmm. everyone. It needs to be for women. It needs to be for minorities. It needs to be for natives. It needs to go across the board. For every single person that's in this nation, we are never going to be great until we start taking care of everyone. This bullshit that Trump throws out there, make America great again. No, that means make America white again. That's what he's talking about. That's that white supremacy where they want to have the whites on top of everybody else. And, you know, I'm honest about this shit. You know, a lot of people get mad at me because I say this and I use some foul language. I don't care. Sometimes the truth, you know, yeah, it does. True. And when we start accepting the truth, no matter how much it hurts, that's when we can start to make progress and change. Yes, sir. Yes, right there. That's what I, that's what I'm talking about. It's all about honesty. People need to have honesty and integrity in this country, and when they stop doing that because they're taking money from somebody else, Big Pharma and and all these other interest groups, the NRA and different things like that, that's why our society suffers. It's because a few people take money from big interest groups to control the rest of us, and that's bullshit. We all need the same thing, you know, housing, health care, education, all those things. Well, you know, a lot of people – one of the big problems I see with our society is we have, we have so many people in our leadership positions who judge how great our society and how great America is by the wealth gains yes. of the richest one-tenth of one percent. But what we need to judge right. how great our society is is by how well we take care of the most vulnerable of those amongst us. So that's when we can yes. better yes. be great. I agree with you 100% right there. Yes. Absolutely. When we have children in this country that that are fucking starving because they can't afford to go to school and have a lunch, that's that's deplorable, you know. And a lot of these people say that they're proud to be called deplorable, but I'm sorry, that's not right. You know, children need to be taken care of before anybody else. The handicapped, the minorities in this country that do not have representation like the rest of us, you know. I mean, there are three of us here that are you know, Caucasian, and we have a native that's with us right now. The natives are not represented at all in this country. You know, when you look at uh, reservations in this country, when I was in the military, this shocked the hell out of me. Native American reservations are still considered prisoner of war camps, according to the United States military. Most people don't know this shit because they don't look into it. But that's the absolute truth, and they suffer immeasurably, you know, Against the rest of the nation. You know, I posted this thing just to be an asshole today on Facebook. I think that, you know, everyone should get reparations today. 
instead of the uh, you know the the stimulus bill. Uh, no, uh, let's uh, give a million dollars to all the African Americans and all the natives in this country, and fuck all the white people. That's exactly how I said it, dude. I got death threats over that. It was amazing. I, <laughs> like, you know, it's the reality of what needs to happen. You know, yeah. the people that haven't gotten their fair share need to get their fair share before any anything else happens. It's crazy. I would, I would definitely agree with you, Sean. Uh, Sean, I think it's on you to ask a question. Okay, I will pull up the questions real quick. Give me just a second. Here we are. Um. I'm going to skip a couple of these because, you know, hey, it's cool. You know, our kids come down (laughs) through here all the time. Um, What are your thoughts about the Black Lives Matter movement and how our government has actually – did we? We went over Black Lives Matter. I'm sorry. Well, number one, Uh, Black Lives Matter people – I mean, I'll talk more about it, absolutely, because okay. it's so important. Okay. Okay. Um, number one, are the people that are out there marching and protesting for the BLM movement, number one, they're not insurgents. Number two, they're not terrorists. We need to make sure that we recognize these people as American citizens with First Amendment constitutional rights and treat them as American yes. citizens. When we start yeah. looking at a lot of the, say, rioting that's starting and the damage – the problem is, is a lot of that stuff is started by people who are with the BLM protesters that are not part of the movement. They are agitators coming yeah. in. We saw that in Bentonville. Right. Straight in Bentonville at the square. They were, they were there for like two or three hours peacefully protesting, taking a knee, chanting, singing. Everything was beautiful. And then the Nazis came in, and once the Nazis came in, then some random person with a backpack comes into their peaceful group and chucks a water bottle towards the Nazis at the police officers, and that's when the tear gas and the flashbangs and all that stuff comes out. We saw it with the riots that started in Minneapolis. There were videos of off-duty police officers going to AutoZone and busting out the windows. We have to make sure that we understand that there are a lot of people – participating in this movement across the country. There are millions of people, and yeah, there might be one or two bad eggs or one, you know, a few people who are a little too extreme, but every single, everything has some people that are too extreme. There are some Christians that are too extreme Christians that go and shoot up buildings. There are some, you know, like, we just have to make sure we're treating people with their constitutional rights. We... I just it, – it really bothers me so much the way that my opponent, Tom Cotton, has been taking – has been talking about this and using his position of power to demonize these people that are just pushing for rights, for equality, for justice. You know what? We do need justice. We do need peace, and justice is going to be the price of peace. That's just as simple as it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and Dan, actually, I can kind of expand upon that, and I want to ask you about this. Uh, obviously, I'm not sure. Are you a veteran, or are you familiar with the? Uh, I am. With, 
I decided uh, to go to okay. work and to start a family. Uh, both of my brothers served. My brother-in-law served. All of my uncles served. My grandparents. Um, you know, it's a lot of people also don't realize how hard it is for family members of our veterans, yeah. not just the veterans themselves. Um, but I am personally not a veteran. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you is myself and Tolly were a part of the uh, protests here in Little Rock, and uh, there was a situation. I wasn't there that night, and I believe, Tolly, you were in Conway that night. There was a situation where there was a clearly marked the medical, medical that was fired upon by Arkansas State Police, a clearly marked medical tent, Red Cross, everything, and it was fired and tear gassed upon by Arkansas State Police. I kind of want your opinion on that. I mean, that screams act of war against non-combatants to me when I look at my understanding of the Geneva Convention. But maybe you can help me understand this a little bit more because my blood boils when I hear stuff like that. The way I feel about it is if we're not allowed to invade a foreign country and do something like using chemical weapons or attacking medics, then there is absolutely no reason why we should yep. be allowed to do it against American citizens here on domestic soil. Thank you. We need Thank to, you, Dan. I, I mean, we definitely that. have to do that. We need to stop using tear gas against protesters. Tear gas, yeah. we need to stop using less lethal weapons in ways that they're not intended to be used. Less lethal weapons are not right. intended to be shot at somebody's face, to bust out eyes and cause brain injuries. That's not what they're intended to be used as. And we need to make sure that the people who are using these chemical weapons against Americans, these people who are shooting Americans in the face, some even point blank on some of these terrible videos, are being held criminally liable. These people should be in jail. Well, they should be in prison. I mean, I yeah, know we're getting off in the stand, but, I mean, the orders come from the top. I mean, and we know who the top in this state is as far as that goes, unfortunately. So, I mean, can we really be responsible except for the voting poll? You know what I'm saying? Of course. Yeah, I, I do. And, and it's – it's really hard because, you know, the way I, I'm not a soldier, I'm not a veteran, but I feel like right. if I was in a war and I was given orders to say shoot a child right there in the face, I wouldn't do it even though they were my orders because it's wrong. Sean Kimbeck, has you, you are required by the U.S. Uh, – by the uh, UCMJ to deny any unlawful orders. And that's what I'm wondering. Mm. Maybe it's different for police. But we okay, have so, so before you bring that up, okay, you want to you want to you want to break down what a lawful order is, okay? Mm -hmm. It all depends on the rules of combat. It all depends on the threat level at the time. They can spin anything that they want to in the military, okay? I no. mean, we can look at um, the NFL football player. What was his name? Uh, he played for Pat the Cardinals. Oh, Pat Tillman. Pat Tillman. Pat Tillman, one of the great, you know, uh, stories that we need to talk about, he was killed by friendly fire, okay, by his own troops. The military covered this up. It went all the way up to Donald Rumsfeld. It got all the way to Congress. His family sat right there in front of Congress and Donald Rumsfeld, and they didn't do a fucking thing, nothing. 
They shook hands. Right. They said, hey, good job, blah, 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 this and that. And Pat Tillman's name, you know, he's just – he's known by the average American as a hero because he left the NFL to go, you know, be a fucking ranger. But the thing is, is that he was killed by his own people, and the military covered that up. The thing is, is that they get away with this all the fucking time. The military does it. The, the state police do it. The local police do it. Okay. We have a constitutional right to have peaceful protests in this country. We can kneel when the, the, the American anthem is played. We can, we can show up at a Capitol. We don't have to file paperwork to do this stuff, okay? They tell us that we do. You don't have to do that. You could just show up and be peaceful about it. People have been getting killed over this for hundreds of years, okay? Women during the suffrage movement, African Americans during the civil rights movement. It's been happening, it's not going to stop anytime soon. And people like Tom Cotton, these pieces of shit who served in the military and are fucking bootlickers that don't give a shit about anybody else, they're going to say this shit. You know, oh, well, we need to do what we can against Antifa. We need to do what we can against Black Lives Matter because they're a terrorist organization. They're a Marxist organization. You know what? Fuck that. They're Americans. They have a right to protest. And if they're doing it peacefully, we should not do anything to harm them at all. The thing is, is that this is pissing off a lot of white people in this country, and they're using everything that they can. Donald Trump should not be able to use 70,000 federal agents to come into any city that he wants to actually use martial law against people. Where's the NRA to speak against this right now? That's what they're here for, and they're not saying a word. Now, excuse my language and my rant, but that's how I feel about that shit. Now you're spot on. Spot on. I, I would agree. Uh, we do have a question from our Facebook comment section real quick. Uh, Mr. Bradley Hicks, okay. who's a host on one of our shows, asks, uh, what's your thoughts on the unemployment benefits being discussed at the moment? I'm thinking he's probably uh, asking about the Republican stimulus proposal today where it slashes the uh, additional benefits from 600 all the way down to uh, 200, I 200. guess, uh, is what he's to get your thoughts on. So, number one, what we really need, rather than expanding the unemployment benefits, uh, the additional benefits for COVID, is we need a People's Act. We need a new stimulus. And what we need – so, first, we had the CARES Act. And the CARES Act was – a $2.5 trillion corporate slush fund to billionaires and corporations where, Amer yeah, Americans, yeah, we got $1,200 for awesome for four months. That's great. Thank you so much. I'm glad that all my bills have waited. Now, right. what we need, we bailed out billionaires and corporations. Now we have to bail out the rest of our society if we want to keep it from collapsing without having to risk hundreds of thousands of people or even millions of people dying from COVID-19. We need a People's Act. We need to make sure that every single Social Security holder in America is getting $2,000 a month until after the pandemic is over. And that's going to be when there's a vaccine. And, I mean, it may yes. be a year, but yes. you know what? We can afford it. We can. I mean, look at modern money. Yes. We can afford to do anything. If we can come up with $6.5 trillion to inject into Wall Street, 
we can come up with a few trillion dollars to put into people's pockets so that they can pay their mortgage, their rent, their car payment, not have to worry about their car getting repossessed, their utility to keep their heat on and their air conditioner, especially when it's summer. We have to make sure we're taking care of the people, and the People's Act wow. is going to be the correct answer. If we can't wow. get the People's Act passed, we have to make sure that we do extend that unemployment benefit because – well, we have over 40 million people have filed for unemployment since the pandemic started. And last yes, month on the yes. first, we had 12 million people miss their rent or mortgage. People yes, are losing they're going to be everything. Evicted. Yes, they are. And people are losing everything. And we have to make sure that we're taking care of these people. Most of them are good people. Oh, I lost you on yes, video because my VPN disconnected, but I'll have you shortly okay. back. So, yeah, so that's how I feel about that is we need to make sure that we are – if we cannot get the People's Act passed, which is what has to be done, that's the most important thing, then we need to make sure that we can expand that unemployment benefit until – I mean, honestly, I hate to say the foreseeable future, but until this is no longer the type of worldwide pandemic that we are facing right now. Our numbers are going up every day. Look here in our country. I mean, we hit like a 2,000 case average over two days or something like that. It's right, mm-hmm. man. You know, and, and, and that's something have that most people, people don't understand. We, when you look at the Spanish uh, flu, the pandemic that hit in the early 1900s, it took two years for us to get back to normal. Okay, we're six months into this. Six months. Yeah. We still have a year and a half to go if we reach that two-year mark. Okay, that's modern America. That's the way we are. You know, I'm lucky I work for the government. You know, same thing with, uh, you know, uh, Michael. Um, mm-hmm. We have, we are essential workers. So that's, that's just the reality for us. We've been having to do a lot of bullshit for America. Okay. <laughs> it just, it is what it is. It sucks. But it is what it is. You know, we're talking 12, 16-hour days, you know, five, six yeah. days a week. It is what it is. Um, but everyone else that's out there that has been laid off, that doesn't have the ability to pay their rent, we need to take care of them, okay? We can't let landlords just throw people out on the streets. What the hell is going to happen to everybody, okay? Right. The Great Depression, what? the silent generation was the greatest generation because they actually, like – they, 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 they tightened their belts and they took care of everybody. Right? Absolutely. So yeah. why can't they built why this can't country. our generation, why can't the millennials and Generation X and the fucking boomers do the same thing? That's all I'm saying. I agree. I agree. Um, Tali, I think I think we're on to you as far as the question goes. I kinda of skipped you to that comment, but uh, we have about two left, so I think yeah. it's on to you. I let you know which two we have left here on the uh, on the list. I got it. Um, what are your thoughts on the separation of church and state, including removing the Ten Commandments statue from Capitol grounds? Oh. So, I don't think we should remove the Ten Commandments statue from Capitol grounds. I think. It's all right there for now. It's it's not causing – it's not like a symbol of racism or hatred. It is just what it is. Now, as far as a separation of church and state, 
It is essential in our government, and it is so essential. It is in our Constitution. One of the reasons that we, our ancestors had fled the European nations and fled other parts of the world to come and start a new nation of their own was to flee religious persecution. We have to make sure that there is a very clear separation of church and state, which I'm very disappointed every single time I see an, a government elected official using their public uh, forum like social media to promote religion. It just shouldn't be that way. If, if we want to get rid of the separation of church and state, if we want to allow uh, priests and pastors uh, to tell their I don't know, their, their patrons how to vote, then tax them and then let them deal with it. But there, there should be a clear separation between church and state. It has to be there. I know, I know Sean would uh, absolutely love that uh, answer about taxing the church. Yeah. That is one of the big Especially things when is, they uh, talk about go ahead tax the church. I completely it, agree, It is so hard to say just yeah. tax churches because it'd have to be a thing where you tax based on size, um, income, and things like that because we do have a lot of smaller churches that don't have a lot of income that are actually in debt because they put a lot of money into their communities. Now, when we start talking about giant churches and mega churches, that's a different issue. Those people have to right. I would love to see them taxed. Uh, I think there was a church in Texas, and mm. they were robbed a couple years ago. Um, their safe was robbed. One yes, Sunday, Church. one week. Yes. And they're like, well, you know, we're going to offer a $25,000 reward. <laughs> Someone will, you know, uh, find right. out who did this. And then it's like, man, that's a that's a big reward for you know stealing a church revenue. So so then I you start looking into their finances and how much money they make. Some of these churches are yeah. making like eight hundred thousand dollars a week, a week. Yes. And where is this money going? Yes. It's buying private jets for these pastors and uh-huh. big giant mansions. A lot of it isn't <laughs> going back into our society. A lot of it goes to yep. offshore banks where they can avoid taxation yep. and. Yeah, it's definitely something that one day does have to be addressed. But it, we have to make sure we're careful not to hurt our smaller churches because a lot of them can't afford that. They are doing the best they can, and they're doing everything for the right reasons. So we have to be careful. So No, I agree with that. Go ahead, Sean. No, I was going to say I agree with that. These small churches that are out there, um, I mean, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. But I do believe in the freedom of religion, okay? These small churches that are out there that are actually helping their communities and doing things like that, I absolutely agree they should be able to do everything that they do. The mega churches mm-hmm. that are out there where Joel Olstein is driving a damn Bentley and has private <laughs> jets and, you know, these guys are multimillionaires. It's essentially you know, what, 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 one of these churches, the, the, the pastor is a billionaire. Okay, he has six private jets. He's a billionaire. I don't want to. Okay, <laughs> Kenneth Copeland. That's his name. Fuck the guy. <laughs> Kenneth Copeland has six, six private jets. He's a billionaire, and you know what? Fuck that guy. He needs to be taxed at eighty percent. You know these mega churches that go out there and they prey on these old people that think that they're about to die and go to heaven. We need to give everything that we can to them. I know a person personally. Mm-hmm. Who has bought so much of this shit from Jim? Uh, 
uh, Jim Baker up in Missouri, all this end of the times, you know, food supplements, like Ugh. it caused the whole family. It caused the entire family to be like, holy shit, what are we going to do? Her garage is full of this shit. You know, they yeah. pray. They they prey on the elderly. They prey on people that are that are undereducated, that 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 don't know any better, that think that they're living mm-hmm. in the end times. You know, if you think that, yeah. that's cool. You know, if that's your prerogative, you think you're going to be raptured here sometime soon. Cool, I don't care. But billions of dollars don't go preying on people. this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and I think that's, you know, that's very important, Sean. But uh, I did want to ask you uh, real quick. Obviously, I know we're getting up across the uh, 11 o'clock, or excuse me, the 9.15 part of the hour here. But I do want to ask you real quick, uh, Dan, uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of red meat here to throw to you. But um, yes, I want you to go ahead and address the uh the statements made by our uh current senator over the past couple of days about uh the founding fathers believing that slavery was a necessary evil and the other statements that he's made about uh slavery and things of that nature uh what are your thoughts on that so the first thing we really should clarify he did not say that slavery was a necessary evil he said the founding fathers that. But what we oh. do have to understand also is he completely agrees and believes that. So he may okay. not have been – he may have been quoting, but he still means it. I mean 100%. The meaning is there. So uh-huh. it, it's really – I just don't understand where he – where he even comes up with some of these crazy ideas, where he thinks it's okay to say such hateful okay. things, incendiary things. I mean, it, and it even started a long time ago, of course, with his, uh, you know, his letter to the Iranian government, where he actually got 46 other senators to sign his letter telling a foreign government that they will not do whatever our president says, which was against the Logan Act. Yeah. Treatment, basically, right. anyways, you know, starting all the way from then, and then he had, I mean, he's just done so much, let's see if I can even keep it track of it all, he tried to <laughs> get it so that we would ban Chinese students from coming here to learn, you know, STEM programs and science and math, and he said, oh, yes. you know, if Chinese students want to come here, they can learn Shakespeare and um, the Federalist Papers, uh, mm-hmm. number one, Shakespeare wasn't written in America, but yeah. So that's just where that racism starts to come into play. And then he goes into things with calling for no quarter against American citizens, expressing their first amendment constitutional rights. And then it goes into an overwhelming show of military force against American citizens showing their rights. And then it comes into their insurrectionists. (laughs) I mean, it just, Escalating and escalating. And then he comes out against the 1619 Project because he doesn't want to accept the fact that this is the truth. This is what happened, and we should teach our children the truth. And then he even comes to racism was a necessary evil. I mean, it just – it goes on and on and on, and it's just really crazy. I honestly don't understand how he – I, I don't even know, man. <laughs> I'm lost. For I'll tell words. you. I'll tell you I, I kind of understand what you were going at there. I, you don't understand how he was elected and things like that. 
Um, no. Dan, I'll tell you the reason why I voted for him. I didn't look. I didn't do my due diligence. Uh, I saw a veteran. I saw a guy who supposedly served pretty admirably, and that's what I saw. You know, and I uh-huh. thought, hey, this guy's gonna do a lot for me. And you know, like I said, like I told you before we came on, he's just continually let me down ever since I made those votes. Or that vote. Well, he got elected because of money. He took $8.5 million from the Koch brothers. And at that yes. point, 91% of the time, yes. if a candidate has more money, they win an election. So he yes, took a do. bunch of money. And, I mean, it, it all comes down to financial corruption. Um, I can understand why people voted for him because, like you said, a, a lot of people don't know of some of the most important websites on the Internet which are votesmart.org and opensecrets.org. With these two websites, you can research any politician, you can see how they voted, and you can see where their money is coming from, which are two very, very important things to think about when uh, deciding on who you're going to vote for. So I always try to plug those two websites so that people can be like, oh, Huh, interesting, because, I mean, you know what's really fun? Just go to opensecrets.org and just put in Obama, put in Trump, put in Hillary, put in Bernie, put in, put in all these random politicians' names and look at where their money comes from and how much they get. It's a very interesting things. And unfortunately, after you spend a few hours digging in there, you're going to start to find that Republicans and Democrats are taking money from the same exact billionaires. Yes, they are. Ooh. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad Ooh. that you said that. You know, wow. you can talk about Nancy Pelosi. You can talk about all of the, 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 the Democrats that are in California. Um, they're taking money from Big Pharma. They're taking money from China. They're taking money mm-hmm. from the NRA. Everybody. They all do it. They're all fucking dirty. You know? I mean, when you become a congressman, you should be required to watch Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yes. You know, yes. I mean, <laughs> yes, that, that, that is politics 101. You need to represent the people that you have been sent to Washington to represent, right? I mean, that, that, that's yes. what it's all about. I and love So that movie. many people, they, they, they get to Washington and, and – they have to spend, you know, when, when a junior senator gets to Washington, they have to spend those first two years raising money. That's all they do. Mm-hmm. They don't do anything yes. else. They sit on the phone, and they raise all this money, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, for my reelection campaign, blah, 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 this and that. Tom Cotton did it. <laughs> you know, most of the bitches in fucking Congress did it. You know, excuse my language again. But that's just the <laughs> no way it is. is. And they're, they're you know what you see about sold. my campaign? Yeah, I am not running a re-election campaign. If I am, my name will be on the ballot in 2026 again once I beat Con- Tom Cotton in November. But yes. I will not run a re-election campaign. That. If I'm doing a good job, then vote for me. If I'm not, then don't. But I'm not going to waste your time and your money and selling my soul right. and your voice to foreign to corporations. It, it just doesn't make right. sense. That's so amazing. And I've actually, I mean, our campaign, we are 100% grassroots. We haven't taken money, even from political parties, political action committees, 
any special interests or billionaires or giant corporations. Our campaign is 100% grassroots. And I'm really proud to say that right. because that allows me the ability to work for my constituents and nobody else. Well, I tell you, uh, Dan, one thing I'm so proud that I heard you talk about on that, uh, on that stream was, you know, you're completely transparent with your money. Uh, Sean, I don't know if you caught it when we were on his website earlier, but there's a tab that literally says expenses, and he will break down every penny that he spends. And who else can say that? But that's the way it should be. You know, I mean, we have yeah. a president right now that won't release his tax returns because he's so afraid to show the American people that he doesn't pay any fucking taxes, right, <laughs> that, you mm-hmm. know, that they might turn on him, which he doesn't understand. His base isn't going to turn on him no matter what. He could rape a fucking three-year-old white baby in front of everybody, and his base isn't going to turn on him. That's the disgusting we'll reality of Donald Trump. Why it was okay. Yeah. I mean, that's an extreme case, but yeah, I, I agree, unfortunately. But, uh, I mean, I it have to true. give you that shout-out, man. Honestly, I, I, I have to give you that shout-out, man. I, I appreciate that so much, and we have you now back on the stream here. I, I, I have to tell you, I appreciate that so much for you to be that transparent. Uh, you know, I've, I've right. kind of gotten to a point. I don't know, Dan, if you've seen uh, House of Cards on Netflix, but I got to the point where uh, you guys were talking about uh, you talking about that movie, and I was like, you know what? I sat here and said that modern politics is House of Cards because truly, I believe that. I've got that kind of attitude that not. I believe that. People are getting whacked in the subway. You know, I wouldn't doubt it. I think it happens a lot more than we know. That's for sure. Um, people get assassinated. I mean, I think Donald Trump, didn't he say yes. to take care of someone recently? And then they asked him about it. He's like, oh, I'm meant to take care of them. <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, what? Are you really going to try to, like, play that dumb? <laughs> I mean, right. I think it does happen, unfortunately, uh, and that's why I actually purchase. That's why I carry my firearm everywhere I go. <laughs> if I get elected, good. A lot of people stand good. to lose a lot of money, so I keep my family safe. Um, right, you know, man. A, a, a lot of. I, I'm glad you bring that up because a lot of people think because I'm such a leftist that I'm like so pro anti gun. I am pro protecting your fucking ass. That's it. Protect yourself. Okay, a six-shot revolver, a shotgun, you know, something like that. Yes, but we have to stop the ability of people to kill people in mass in this country. Look at Sly Stallone. Okay, Sylvester Stallone has made all those Rambo movies, all those you know international spy movies, everything he did. He's one of the most pro-gun control conservatives in this country, and that proves that you can have multiple points of view. You know, and I I like you, man. You have multiple points of view, and you go across the board, and you've said things that, you know, maybe I don't like, but you know what? They make sense. They make sense, and I like that. We need more candidates like that. I completely agree. I completely agree. Well, Dan, Dan, we're going to go ahead and uh, let you plug everything and let us know what we can do. As far as getting things uh, good to go here come November, uh, definitely looking forward. And 
you know, fingers crossed. If I need to write somebody, definitely let me know so we can make sure you get on the ballot, man, come November, because I'm going to be sure. – I'm going to be so proud. So proud. I mean, our case is solid. If you read the transcript, you'll see how solid our case really is. And if you start looking through the legal mumbo jumbo in the ruling, you'll see that she paved an appeal for us. She paved. That's why it took her four weeks to write a 61 page document to say, no, she paved it out. We're going to win our case. And if they try to do some kind of crazy corruption, like having, you know, close down our expedites and things like that, we're going to take to the streets, man. They're like, well, you shouldn't be on the ballot because you couldn't get 10,000 signatures. Well, we'll see what they think when we right. can get 50 or 100,000 people to take to the streets and see if they still think that we don't have the support of the people because the people are tired of this. We've had enough. We're not represented here in Arkansas. We're really not. We are the, the 49th richest state in America. The only state more poor than us is Mississippi, and it's been like that right. for a long time, and nothing is changing. And our representatives, they aren't doing anything to fix that. So we have to have representation that's going to represent us as one of the poorest states by protecting the programs that so many of us survive on, such as Social Security, Disability, Medicare, Medicaid, SNAP, WIC, and CHIP, and all these other things. A lot of conservatives will be like, well, what we need to do is we need to pull out the social safety nets, and people will figure it out. I don't think that's the answer. I think what the answer is is to pay people livable wage, pay them enough money that they no longer qualify for these programs. That way they don't have to rely on them, and that's the proper way to do it. But as far as a plug and all that stuff – so here's my quick spiel I always do. You know, my name is Dan Whitfield. I am the independent candidate running for United States Senate here in Arkansas, and I will give you the choice to have a voice, and we will beat Tom Cotton in November. So make sure to check out yeah. ReplaceTomCotton, and you can see my policy stance there. I wrote an autobiography, Hit Meet Dan, and you can read about my childhood, um, how I became the man I am today. You can also uh, hit the media tab. You can see uh, all my different campaign pictures from before COVID. Um, you can see all of my interviews, all of my live streams. Every Saturday at 6 p.m., most Saturdays, so I'm not busy, I do a live stream Q&A where I answer questions and give you an update on what's been going on throughout the week. All of those videos are there. You can see all my commercials, and I have written two op-eds so far in response to Tom Cotton. Um, I wrote an op-ed, um, Understanding Their Pain, talking about the BLM movement. And then Tom Cotton recently, oh, here's a more corruption for you here in Arkansas. So right. Tom Cotton wrote an op-ed about how ranked choice voting is bad. Did you, any of you oh, all yeah. catch that? Yeah. The day after he wrote that op-ed was the day the Secretary of State, John Thurston, threw out 90,000 Arkansan signatures and took off ranked choice voting from our ballot. Oh, After John goodness. Thurston has taken money from him. Interesting things to think about. So I did write an op-ed about ranked choice voting on how it is good, how it benefits us and gives us more of a choice and more control over our elections. That way we don't have to choose between a lesser of two evils if we like a candidate that we may not think is electable. So – Check right. all that stuff out. And then, of course, what you all had mentioned, the expenses tab. You can see every single penny I've spent in my campaign. Uh, but, yeah, 
check out ReplaceTomCotton.com. And if you like what you see, our campaign is 100% grassroots. If you can afford to donate a few bucks, please do it. If you can't, I totally understand with people, we have unemployment and people losing everything. Don't feel right, bad right. if you can't donate. I, I get it. I get it. But what you can do instead is follow me on Twitter, follow me on Facebook, share my tweets, share my posts, and we can get yes. the word out there and make sure people know that Tom Cotton is not running unopposed, contrary to what most people do believe because of the media right now. Yes, what sir. else can we do? What else can we do to support you besides that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it's so hard right now. So. I do have a Slack group if you would like to volunteer for phone banking or texting or things like that, or if you have a special skill set like graphics design, website development, um, communications, or if you even want to be part of – I have a team set for endorsements where people are just reaching out for endorsements right now. Uh, I have okay. you know, a team set for communications where they're reaching out to groups like y'all and trying to schedule interviews with podcasts and independent media sources and major media sources. So if you can help at okay. all um, – you know, send me a message, a direct message on Facebook or Twitter. Send me an email. Let me know you want an invite to our Slack group, and I'll get an invite sent your way. Okay. Absolutely. I, I, know a gra- I know a graphic designer right now that would support you 100%. I'm going to send all that information to him. He's going he's gonna to contact you. I guarantee it. Um, if you oh, want to come you, on Sean. next week. It. Absolutely. If you want to come on next week to American Idiots uh, podcast, you are more than welcome to come on and keep talking about this. We'll do this every week until the election. That's absolutely (laughs) that's 100 percent from me. If you want to come on every week, just let me know. Let Michael know. We'll let you come on every week and we'll talk about all these issues. There's so much to talk about. I'll tell you what, Dan, uh, you know, I want to kind of end my part of this on this. You know, I've made a couple of votes. I'm a 30-year-old individual. I've made a couple of votes in my life, but I can honestly tell you, you are going to be the first person I vote for that I'm 100% proud of myself to vote for. You are amazing, right. and I, I, I promise, I, I really hope that we get this done come November. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I mean, it's it has been a roller coaster with everything that we're going through, and I wouldn't be able to do this without the just amazing support from everybody like you. So I really do appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Uh, Sean, Colley, any last thoughts for Mr. Whitfield? I just want to you know piggyback just... off Carnahan and say that I too am really excited for an opportunity to vote for a candidate that. I think actually represents the constituents. Um, I'm really glad to have had the opportunity to listen to you tonight and ask you some questions. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, anytime. Thank you. Sean, Man, y'all are awesome. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. If you want to come on every Monday night from now on, I am absolutely for that. Being the progressive of the group, I will support that 100%. <laughs> Um, you need a voice. You want you want to put that out there? Absolutely. I will push it. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna repost this time and time and time again. You have said things that are amazing, that are wonderful, and that you will represent the American people in the state of Arkansas. And that's what we need. We don't need big interests coming in here like the Koch brothers and all their bullshit up in con you know, cross at Arkansas. 
we need someone that actually represents everyone. And I think you're that guy. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you. I think just being a regular guy who's gone through so many of these, I mean, I'm just a regular guy. I've gone through a lot of the things that most people go through every day. So I just, I think that's really a quality we should look for more in our representatives because how can you expect someone to represent you if they don't even know what you've been through or what you go through every day? Yes. Yes, sir. sir. You're it. You are absolutely it. You don't have, you, you haven't been bought and sold yet. You are the one that is actually out there looking at everything from a reasonable point of view, and mm-hmm. you should be the one that represents everyone in this state. You know, um, and I hate to say it this way, you know, I'm the vulgar one here. Fuck cotton. You need to be the one that's in, in office. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dan, I definitely want to take the time to say thank you so much for joining us again. You're an amazing candidate. Anything that you need, go ahead and hit myself or Sean or Tolly up, and uh, we will go ahead and plug absolutely anything. I plan on having your website on our uh, Facebook page by the end of the night. Uh, As soon as we hop off of here for the end of the show, I will go ahead and make sure I plug that on our site as well. And uh, make sure everybody knows that there is an option instead of, you know, just sticking with Tom Cotton. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you all again so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. And y'all have a good night. Reach out anytime. Yes, absolutely, man. You You have a great night. We want want to see you anytime you want to come on, man. Just let us know. We'll we'll do it again, if not next week, then the week after. (laughs) Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. We didn't even talk about cannabis. I support the federal decriminalization and nationally expunging cannabis-related crimes. I mean, that's huge. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Yes. You are yes. So, hold up. This dude is more amazing. Yeah. I'm definitely going to get you the details for two weeks from tonight, and we'll have you back on. All right. Cool beans, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike and Sean. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. That's Thank all right. You. I'm going to hang out, it. and if you need anything, reach out. Yes, sir. We will. Yes, sir. We're going to reach out. Thank you, man. Well, once again, that was the uh, independent candidate for Senate from the state of Arkansas, Mr. Dan Whitfield. Wow. We're going to try to go ahead and get through all of our topics here tonight. Tolly, you may have to hop on your phone for the Internet if we go into extra uh, into overtime here. But, my goodness, I, I mean, I just need to have a quick – Okay. Whoo, Holy crap, that was, that like was fucking awesome, right? I meant every word I said. He is going to be the first gentleman I vote for that I am completely 100% proud and can say okay. I am proud that I asked my vote for. I mean, he's so fucking awesome. He hasn't been bought by anybody. He wants to represent everyone that's in this state. Um. Now, that doesn't go along with the Congress. Congress isn't going to like that shit. You know, if he gets elected, they're going to hit him right away. They're going to be like, you need to do all this bullshit to get reelected, blah, 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 blah. You know, um, that's just how Congress works. And if he gets fucking elected over Con- Tom Cotton, man, that would be awesome, dude. Fucking love that. Well, I, he's got my support. We, we need to put this out, like this video of everything that we've done. 
you need to repost it every day for the next seven days. I promise you, dude, you got to do that, dude. Absolutely. I'm I'm speaking it into the air right now, into existence. Come November, that night, we're going to talk about the biggest upset in Arkansas political history when Danette Whitfield takes out Tom Cotton out of his Senate seat and becomes the senator from the state of Arkansas. I'm speaking it into existence. I, I truly believe right. that. But we got our first caller of the evening calling in from uh, New York. Uh, we have an 845 area code. Go ahead and bring them on live. Okay. Caller, Let's do this. Hello, how are you this evening? Hey, I'm good. doing pretty good. How about you, man? Good. I just just tuned you in and just turned on at the end of uh, at the end of your interview that you did. And I'm sorry I missed it, but uh, yeah, just keep me on mute. And if I have something or a question, I'll hit one to chime in. I I glad to be here. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Okay. Well, feel free. We'll throw you back on mute as you wish. Uh, We've got a little bit of stuff to talk about here. We're not going to do a commercial break because obviously we've got a lot more to talk about here tonight. But uh, let's go ahead and right. start out with the news that broke Sunday evening, I want to say. And, oh, good Lord, we got Miss Holly Brand back. There we go. Sorry, my internet is today. <laughs> but uh, Regis Philbin, my goodness. Uh, uh, you know, I was talking to Sean last night about this, Tolly. When I saw yeah. that, I had to read it. It was like Kobe. When Kobe passed, I was like, really? Wait, no. No way. No. This guy this guy is a Hollywood pimp. He is <laughs> from New York to California in the entertainment industry. He was the shit. And, you know, the fact that he's gone, yeah, that's sad. You know, he might have been a Trump supporter, but you know what? Fuck that. This guy was cool. He was cool from New York to California. He did Broadway. He did everything. I'm sorry that he's gone. I don't care who he supported. He was a cool dude in my book. I really love the guy. Regis Philman, right there, man. I'm sorry you're gone. Rest in peace, brother. He provided us with so many years of entertainment. You know, we hit on it last night. Him and uh, Kathy Lee Gifford and him and uh, I forget the other woman's name that he was on with. Uh, Kelly, Kelly Ripa. Ripa. Yeah, Kelly Ripa. I mean, the years and years of entertainment. I remember when I'd stay home from school uh, watching Regis of a morning. I, it's just one of those things I did because – Regis was one of those outrageous guys, but he wasn't outrageous to a – he didn't ever take it too far. It was one of those situations where you could watch Regis and you wouldn't be exposed to craziness, but at the same time, he'd say some, he'd say some wild stuff if you caught him on the right day. So definitely going uh, to miss him. Tali, any thoughts on Regis passing away? Well – Growing up, the way I did, um, especially like growing up in Samoa, we didn't really get a lot of uh, television except for stuff like game shows. Right. And um, so I always remember Regis Stillman from the game shows he did and um, those late nights and waiting up with my parents to watch, like, who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and um, what was it, Jeopardy. I remember 
Jeopardy back in the day. What was that dude's name? I think it's so far. Kevin Alex or Ken Trebek. or some shit? Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek. That's Alex Trebek. Yes, yes. Alex Trebek was here. Yeah, he was going going to be a millionaire. But that's where I remember him from. Oh, that's why she's crazy, guys. Sorry. Oh, sweet baby. But I remember Regis and Kelly when I was, like, really young. And when we first moved to California. And um, they were, like, the first TV show host that I really was exposed to when we made the transition. And their chemistry was always something that astounded me on their little talk show in the morning. My mom loved them. Loved them. That's what she watched. So, like, Regis Regis and Kathy Lee started in, like, 1984. And it was called Live with Regis and Kathy Lee. And they were on for decades. And, it, you know, when Kathy Lee left the show, yeah, when Kathy Lee left the show, (laughs) then you had Mm -hmm. Kelly. Kelly Ripa, and we just stayed on for a few more years before Michael Smith came on, and um, you know, I mean, Regis Regis Philman, he he was a Broadway star. He he works in Hollywood. He did movies. He did TV. He did all sorts of things. He was he was one of those legends, and you know, like I said, unfortunately, he was a Trump supporter, and that's cool. You know, that was his own perspective, whatever. Um, but he. He was a cool dude who talked about entertainment every single day, and most of us grew up watching him. And, you know, to see him die, that was really sad. Absolutely. And, you know, you speak of legends in the entertainment business. We also lost John Saxon, who I remember – I don't remember from right. Winners of Drag, but I remember from Nightmare on Elm Street. Hey. Uh, right. You know – I used to always say Freddie was the only uh, Freddie was the only character that could ever make me have nightmares as far as horror movies go. Right. And I remember right. Jason Saxon in the movie, and I saw that, and I was like, "What?" I mean, it's another one so, that you yeah. pause and like, "Wow." Yeah. So John Saxon was uh, he was in Enter the Dragon, but he also played the father in the original Nightmare on Elm Street with Robert Englund. Johnny Depp and yeah, with Johnny Depp, and you know that dude was cool. He's been in so many different sci-fi and horror movies, and so many people they remember him from different roles, but they don't they they can't pinpoint him. He's that guy. He's that guy that was in that movie, right? But I I remember him specifically from Nightmare on Elm Street, and I, I love that dude. He was amazing. He's a good actor, and, uh, you know, they're talking about bringing Kevin Bacon in to do Freddy Krueger in a revamp of Nightmare on Elm Street. I think the that could work. The they did, I didn't dig too much, though. Like, I give it a shot. Freddy I don't know how Robert I feel about England. it. Robert England was perfect, okay? I think that Kevin Bacon could pull it off. Kevin Bacon has enough. I mean, have you ever played Seven, seven degrees, degrees of Kevin Bacon? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he knows so much about pop culture. I think he could pull it off. I think he could be just right underneath, like like right there. He could be right there with Robert England because 
like Freddy was my man back in the day. I used mm-hmm. to love all those movies. I saw Nightmare on Elm Street one, two, The Dream Warriors, the Dream, you know everything, you know, uh, Freddy versus Jason, all that shit. I thought that shit was awesome. You know, my wife doesn't like the slasher movies as much as I do, but uh, yeah, Freddy was always my favorite. I mean, dude, Freddy versus Jason, Freddy wins. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, dude. Dude, Freddy, Freddy was amazing. Uh, any thoughts yeah. on uh, John Saxon passing away, Tully? Or was he a little bit no uh, thoughts, too old? But I do love Robert England as Freddy. And I remember Freddy right? versus Jason being so damn scary because they were, like, dreaming while they were away. They're going crazy. Uh-huh. They couldn't escape. They're done. They're done. Nothing Did you do. ever see Freddy's Nightmares? There was a television there was a television series called Freddy's Nightmares in the late nineties. Okay. And it was like the Twilight Zone uh-huh. or the Outer Limits. But it was Freddy. That and Freddy crazy. would come on and he would be like, you know, I'm gonna tell you about this nightmare or whatever. And it would be an entire episode. It lasted like three years. It was really cool. You know, if you that if you like Freddy, really I mean, good. when you look at Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers or Freddy, who was the best? It was goddamn Freddy, oh, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. For my so, mind. if Kevin Bacon, if Kevin Bacon can come back and do Freddy, and he does it just like Robert England, dude, it's gonna blow up, man. They're gonna do like six or I seven films. I don't even know who the last guy was that played Freddy in that remake, but that remake was terrible, um, in my opinion. The guy that did the remake was the guy that worked on The Watchmen, and he played Horshack in The Watchmen. Oh. And oh, okay. the, problem, the problem they had was is that they actually turned Freddy into a child molester. Well, right. Freddy wasn't Which a child molester. He yeah. was in the original, but it wasn't a no. major plot line. No, 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 no. Oh, he wasn't? Freddie was, was not a it? child molester. He was a child murderer. There's a big oh, difference okay. between the two. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you cross that line and you actually make him a molester, people don't like that shit. But if you just make him a child killer, they like him. It's, it's kind of crazy, honestly. Right. Very true, very true. Well, uh, lady and gentlemen, we have a uh, official GOP proposal for a stimulus package, and I'm going to have to hop back on the Republican bandwagon on this one. I like okay. it. I like it. I like the $1,200 check. I like the $500. They got rid of basically the age limit for a dependent, which I think helps a yeah. lot more people. Um, The only thing that they did that could potentially be considered a negative is they took away the $600 additional unemployment and made it $200. Um, We talked about this earlier. If you can't, you know, me and Sean both talked about this earlier. Tolly, maybe you can expand upon this a little bit for us, but if you can't live on $400 a week, I'm not sure that I can get on board with you. I mean, that's what, four, eight, twelve, almost $1,600 a month? That's quite a bit of money. That's about what I bring in a month. Like before yeah. any kind of like bonus or anything like I, that. I but just like the base of what I make. Right. 
and, and, and that's one thing that Michael and I talked about earlier tonight is that that you know it taking the six hundred dollars down to two hundred dollars. I completely agreed with only because I saw a lot of people that quit their jobs immediately when this shit happened because they thought that they were going to make more money. And they actually did. They made more money than if they were actually working. And I thought, man, that's fucked up because we needed these people. We needed people to help us out. We needed people to be in their jobs and they they weren't there because they wanted the money. So lowering it down to 200, I think is a good thing, but that's just from personal experience. I don't necessarily agree with what you said there, Sean, because, you know, I've had somebody that unfortunately had to, uh, had to, you know, be on unemployment for the past number of months. And, you know, it's not necessarily a situation where they don't want to work, but at a certain point, at a certain point, how can you – how can you say that you want to go make minimum wage when you know that you can make what they make, you know? Uh, you're asking somebody to go from enough to survive and even thrive a little bit to making less than a livable wage in most cases as far as minimum wage goes. Um, you know, I definitely support something that the Republicans have uh, asked for multiple times, and that's a payroll or a back-to-work uh, situation where you get an additional money just for going back to work. If you put an extra two, three hundred dollars, well, there you go. We're, we're, we're not drinking Coors tonight. We're drinking Lane Shark. But uh, if you put something out there that, hey, we realize that there's really only minimum wage jobs out there right now. We'll give you an extra two hundred dollars to make sure you can still afford your rent and afford all your utilities. Then I think you could see that minimum wage, though. So can, can it's not necessarily a little. Can people really afford their rent at that point, though? You know, that's the thing that I, you know, I I work for the government just like you do, and. I have seen a lot of people that used to work for me take advantage of this system. They clocked in and they went home. And they didn't do a fucking thing all day. And they got caught and they were fired. Now they get to get unemployment and they get to make a lot more money than what they were making before. And this happened to like 10 people that used to work for me. That sucks, man, because first off, they didn't have any integrity to do their job, but the government was willing to give them more money to basically fuck off. I don't like that shit. I do like the fact that the government has lowered it down from 600 to 200 because it makes it more realistic as far as what people that were making that amount of money can actually pay their rent and their bills. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I think that – I think in your situation, yeah, that's a problem. We've actually had people at our place of business, uh, Tolly, that, you know, have purposely gotten fired just so they – because they knew they had that to fall back on. Um, right? Are you I don't serious? Nec- yeah. I don't know necessarily <laughs> that – I don't know necessarily that I <laughs> – Agree with that by any stretch of the imagination, because like 
I live comfortably right now. Of course, I have uh, my girlfriend's income as well. She works at the same place, Ooh. but, you know, live comfortably. Uh, I'm Tolly, I'm sure you live pretty reasonably comfortably right now. Oh, um, yeah, I'm... I'm doing pretty, pretty. We don't okay. lay awake at night worrying about bills. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those situations where I'm like, so you're going to leave a situation where that's greed, in my opinion. That that is greed. But for the people, let's say that got laid off right before COVID happened, or right at the beginning of COVID, before we got sent home, those people, I know people that are still sitting there collecting their you know, their unemployment checks because, you know, why would you why would you go to McDonald's and fill out an application and work for McDonald's when you can sit at home and do that? Why lower your wage and lower your ability to pay your bills when you have this guarantee to pay your bills sitting at the house? That's a situation where I'm like, man, I can't really attack that thought process. That's why I think the return to work policy that, you know, the GOP, and I'm going to throw up saying this, but I think it was actually spearheaded by Trump, um, I kind of sort of agree with. You know, hey, we'll let you go ahead and go work at McDonald's, but we'll give you this additional on top of it to make sure you can pay your bills. You know, you know how you fix that, though? You probably raise minimum wage to a livable wage. I mean, that's just a thought, but... You know, uh, it's just one of those things I hesitate to attack people that are. Everybody that is on unemployment right now for, you know, that isn't taking advantage of it, I should say. Um, We also have that health experts are now recommending a second shutdown. Uh, I know that COVID cases here in the state are at an all-time high right now. We're setting records just about every single day. For new COVID cases, uh, you know, I've talked to different individuals. I've talked to my significant other before about this. Recently, I, I feel like this mask mandate is the last straw before ASA does sit there and say, you know what, we're going on lockdown. I feel like this is the last straw. If this doesn't work, he's gonna he's gonna mandatory lockdown everybody here in the state, which is kind of funny to me because. Two months ago, he wrote an op-ed about how he beat COVID without uh, shutting the state down and everybody should follow his plan. I just laugh at that now, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, you remember honestly, that yes, honestly, I can say that any – and I'm biased, so let me say that before I actually continue. Any <laughs> Republican – politician that says anything positive about the COVID-19 epidemic that we have is full of shit and a piece of shit. Okay? It is only the people that have actually looked to take care of our citizens that have actually done well. You know, Dr. Fauci, he's tried to do the best that he can. He's made some mistakes. That's Sean, your, expected. your microphone, Bubba, your microphone, we can't oh. really understand you. You're good. Can you hear me now? You're good. Okay. So Dr. Fauci has made some some mistakes. He's backtracked a couple of times, 
but that's expected because he's a scientist and he's going to look at the actual facts and he's going to say, hey, this is what works, this is what doesn't work based on what has actually happened. Let's be he's honest. not a fucking politician. Everything's a hypothesis at this point with COVID-19, uh, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, went from all we know so little about people. it. We're still trying to learn enough to make a vaccine or do anything. We, we you know, whether you agree with the vaccine or not, they haven't made everybody. one because they don't know enough. So, you know, I look at criticizing I look at the, an expert for looking at evidence right. and uh, re, re taking that information to inform the public. I think it's kind of stupid right. because it's a new virus we're still learning about. COVID nineteen is in 2019. It was discovered. Dolly's absolutely right because it took the mm-hmm. Spanish epidemic of the Spanish flu two fucking years, two years before everything oh, yeah. got back to normal. We're six months into this shit. And that's what I was trying to say earlier tonight. Six months into this shit, mm-hmm. we still have a year and a half to go. So most people in this country who are entitled, fat, fucking white Americans who can kiss my ass, are going to fucking raise all this bullshit over this. You know, oh, I have to wear a mask at Walmart. Oh, I have to wear a mask at fucking, you know, Papa John's or wherever the fuck I buy pizza. This is going to keep happening, and we're going to keep seeing this over and over again online. I mean, it's fucking sad. This has got to be the last straw, right? I mean, is that what you're thinking? This is the last straw before Ace shuts us down. No. No, it's not the last straw because he keeps playing these fucking games, okay? He keeps trying to play towards his constituency and big business, you know, big pharma, all this other bullshit. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. We said that just two weeks ago. You and I both said that. Okay? Yeah. So we got two years, man. We're six months into two years. After two years, things will get better, but not until then. And that's what sucks for the rest of us that, that are facing reality, that are living every day as far as this pandemic goes. Yeah, we're just kind of fucked because we have to fucking live day to day, and hopefully we don't get this shit, right? I mean, that's the thing. You face it every single day. Luckily, myself especially have been afforded the ability to work from mm-hmm. home. But, you know, you, right. Sean, you, you fight it on a daily basis, you know, uh, and, you know, hats yeah. off to you on that. You know, and I got to go to work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to work a 16-hour shift tomorrow, and we'll see what happens. Am I going to get this shit? I hope not. But if I do, fuck it, I got to deal with it. You know, same thing right. with everybody else. If any of us get this shit, fuck it. We all got to deal with it. But let's hope that none of us get this shit. Let's hope that people wear their fucking masks when they go to Walmart or fucking Home Depot or where the fuck they're going. And they quit fucking throwing fits over this shit. And they just start doing what's best for everybody. Right, right. I completely agree with that statement. And, of course, 
You know, uh, dial in 347-989-1171, or actually, feel free to yeah. jump in on the comment section because we're about two minutes, so actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and end the episode on our blog talk. If you want to continue watching, yeah. go to YouTube podcast or go to the Facebook page, The American Idiots Podcast, and we will continue over there. Feel free to chime in the comment section. But 